Hi, this is Podbytes. I'm Valentina Kaladina. We're live on CastBox every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Podbytes is a live interactive show where we talk about podcasting. This is episode number 12. Today, I'm joined by my CastBox colleague, Ariel Nissenblatt. Hi, Ariel. Hey, thank you for having me. Ariel has joined CastBox marketing and business development team, and she will be co-hosting the show together with me. Ariel, it's the first episode that you co-host, so please tell us about your previous experience. What did you do before joining CastBox? Great question, and again, thank you for having me. It is a podcast about podcasting. Bowman, yep, welcome to the show. Um, so before CastBox, I was working as a podcast studio manager at a co-working space. I help people produce podcasts for their businesses. And then I also run a podcast newsletter called Earbuds Podcast Collective, Each Sunday, we send a weekly email with a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme, and each week is curated by a different person. So I've been working in the podcast world for about two and a half years. Very excited now to co-host this show with you. Great. This is Livecast, so feel free to participate in the show, everyone. For questions and comments, please call or text. It would be great to hear from you guys. In Podbytes, we invite investors, podcasters, and other key opinion leaders to share their insights into the future of the podcast industry. The show is recorded live and uploaded as a podcast episode afterwards. You guys can engage with other listeners and guests by dialing in or writing comments in real time. You can also send virtual gifts to the host to support the show. You can find previous episodes of the show in Replace. Just go to CastBox and search for Podbytes. You're probably listening to us on your mobile device, Android or iOS, or via CastBox browser version on your laptop. Either way, you're using LiveCast, which is a new interactive feature of CastBox. LiveCast was created to help podcasters to engage with their listeners in real time. If you're a podcaster, you should definitely check it out. A week ago, we were joined by Ever Gonzalez, who is founder of Outlier Podcast Festival and the host of a podcast, Outlier on Air, which is a weekly podcast that interviews founders, disruptors, and mavens. Ever is also the founder and CEO of Outlier HQ, media and events company that provides resources to help entrepreneurs grow their businesses. We were talking about how to create more than 400 episodes of the podcast and still be curious to talk to new people and be excited about every new guest. We were talking about creating an inclusive environment around Outlier HQ Festival. We were also talking about Everest's entrepreneurial journey and how he's growing his business around podcasting. Check it out, guys. Everest shared a lot of useful insights. We also talked about upcoming Outlier Podcast Festival. I think it's in Denver, Colorado. Everest is a good friend of ours, so let's give a shout out to the upcoming Outlier Festival. Ariel, you worked uh, together with Everest before, so could you tell us when the festival is going to be and how it is going to look like? Sure, happy to. Um, so just to recap for everybody, we're live on um, we're live on livecast right now. So everybody who's joining us, please feel free to write in. Uh, later in the show, you can call in. But everybody who's joined, there's a chat function at the bottom. Please feel free to say hello. Um, tell us how you're doing. You could talk about anything. So let me talk to you a little bit about Ever. So um, the Outlier Podcast Festival is a three times a year podcast festival. The one that's coming up next is in Denver. It's actually this coming weekend, Denver, Colorado. So if you're there and you're interested in going or if you're near and interested in going, you can get tickets still at outliercs.com. And um, we'd love to have you there. 
Um, the festival is going to be great. And then there's another Outlier podcast festival in Los Angeles. So if you're there and interested, we'd love to have you there too. Great. Are you going? I'm going to the one in Los Angeles, but not to the one in Denver. Right. Okay. Uh, that was about our previous guest. And in a few minutes, we will talk to Alison Marina, who is the founder of podcast network Lipstick and Vinyl. It's going to be a great discussion. You can type your questions in the chat window and call in. And before we start the interview, let's look through some of the recent news in podcasting. 60% of UK children are interested in podcasts, but only 10% are listening to them, according to the new data from Hope Research. Children trust smart speakers, often seeing these little robots as friends or companions that are willing to play games, answer questions, and teach them new skills. It was outlined at the panel at the recent Children's Media Conference. Okay, moving on. The True Crime Podcast Festival took place over the weekend in Chicago. Before the festival, True Crime Podcasters on the opportunity to mingle with fans were at larger events such as CrimeCon, which isn't audio-specific, reporting Chicago Tribune. Ariel, what do you think of the true crime vertical? I'm a huge true crime uh, fan. I didn't think I was, but then um, I started listening to the ones that were always being recommended, and I was hooked. And now I, every time a new big true crime podcast comes out, I listen, and I finish it in like a day. So I'm definitely a big fan. Wow. Okay, the last one. The overall average length of a podcast is 43 minutes, wrote Pod News and Megaphone Pods in their reports this week. Over the last five years, newly launched podcasts have been getting shorter. 50% of Americans say that podcasts are too long. A good piece of advice from Megaphone's Andy Bowers, who's been creating podcasts since 2005, is to start shorter than your first instinct tells you to. New listeners are more likely to give your show a try if it doesn't eat up a huge chunk of their day, and they'll let you know if you should make future episodes longer. I think it's a great advice, by the way. Yeah, I do too. I think uh, podcasts should be exactly as long as they are supposed to be and not a minute longer. I'm a big fan of editing and um, taking out things that are superfluous. So I definitely, I'm, I'm okay with this, with podcasts getting shorter. Yeah, right. I totally agree. All right, now back to the interview. This is Podbyte's talk show. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and together with me is my colleague Ariel Nissenblatt. Hey! Today we are joined by Alison Marino. Alison Marino is a founder of podcast network Lipstick and Vinyl. Alison has generated over 90 million US dollars in radio and podcast advertising revenue over the course of her career, working with some of the most successful media brands in audio, including CBS Radio, Acast, Podcast One, and Midroll. Allison spent nine years in podcast and radio advertising sales and seven years working as a brand marketer. A pioneer in the podcast industry, Allison was instrumental in breaking new ground to define what have now become the industry standards for podcast advertising and monetization. In 2018, she founded her own podcast firm, Lipstick and Vinyl, which is focused on supporting underrepresented voices in media. The firm currently represents 14 podcasts and helps them cover everything from development, production, and studio space to being a collaborative marketing partner by building sales materials and pairing brands for sponsorship. Hi, Alison. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Valentina. It's really nice to be here. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ariel. Hey. 
Here on PodBytes, so we discuss podcasting from different angles. So in today's show, we are going to talk about how to build a podcast network. I would like to remind our listeners that we are live and we are looking forward to receive your questions and comments. So if you are a podcaster and you are having a great podcast, you can let us know. Maybe, Alison, consider adding your podcast to the Lipstick and Vinyl Network. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, what are the main cri criteria? What are the most important aspects you consider, Alison, when you are adding a podcast to Lipstick and Vinyl Network? So, uh, great question. First, I maybe will take a step back and talk about what the podcast network is and how it functions. Right. That's all right. Sure. So, as a podcast advertising network, that means that we as a company represent podcasts created by other people for advertising sales. And then we give them, you know, lots of other support. And the network through line is that these podcasts are from voices of underrepresented people. Uh, primarily women is who we are, are really proud of our, our female audience and stories through the, the lens and perspective of a woman, which is really uh, not as common as it should be in media today. Right. So you started with the female vertical. Can you remind which was uh, the, your first client, your first podcast in the network? Uh, oh, wow. Well, that podcast was Gaslit Nation when they started. Gaslit Nation is a political uh, news show, and it's hosted by two brilliant women. One is called Sarah Kenzor, and she is a New York Times bestseller, and um, and her co-host is Document documentarian Andrea Chalupa. They are really influential, and they have a really strong Twitter following, They are tireless in their work to, uh, well, to speak for the left in U.S. democracy. And they are very much about exposing all of the crimes and lies that they uh, say that Donald Trump mm -hmm. has, has done. So it's a very engaged audience. And uh, I think that it started out and was able to be a successful show and a big show because those hosts had their Twitter followings and an audience already really engaged with them and they were really looking forward to another way to interact. Right. And how did you help them? Well, we help them monetize by um, selling ads for them. So that means that we go out to advertising agencies and brands and, and sell them host red ads, 60-second host red ads within the content of the podcast. Mm -hmm. we, we also uh, have done live events, not for Gaslit Nation, for another show, but we, uh, we support their live events. Uh, and another important thing to podcasters that we hear all the time is, how can you help me grow my audience? That is the number one question. It's more important than money, and it and it leads to money. But the we help grow an audience by offering cross promotion within the shows in the network and facilitating cross promotion with other shows outside the network. Mm -hmm. So cross cross promotion means that you find a podcast that has a likely similar audience to your show and exchange uh, promos for it in in the show. So I recommend your show to my listeners. You recommend my show to your listeners. And that is what I know to be the most effective way. One of the most effective ways 
to gain a podcast audience for a new show. Mm-hmm. The other way we support them in growing their audience is uh, we have a, a public relations firm that we work with and they work with all of our individual podcasters in addition to us as a company and they promote their show individual episodes. Um, they will get local media to cover the podcast in the city that it's based in and different online coverage and things like that. So that's something that the podcasters really seem to appreciate. Right. Do we have a question from the audience? What are a few of your favorites? Bowman is asking. A few of my favorite shows? Yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. Well, if we're going inside the Lipstick and Vinyl Network, Definitely. where I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> so I really love uh, The Only One in the Room. That's a Me show. Me too. Yay. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks so for listening. Let's tell uh, the story to the listeners. So in April, you launched The Only One in the Room, which was your first original show. And it is hosted by Laura Cathcart-Robbins. Cathcart-Robbins. Yeah, sorry. And I, also by her husband, Scott, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And can you tell us more about that? It's a pretty interesting format. Yes. I think it's really an exciting thing for us as a company to finally be telling stories of our own. That's really the ultimate goal is to uh, to tell our own stories. So Laura Cathcart-Robbins is a writer and she went to a writer's conference that was hosted by Elizabeth Gilbert and Cheryl Strayat, the famous authors. And Laura Cathcart-Robbins is a woman of color. She went to this conference last year and there were seven or 800 people in attendance and there were no other women of color at all to be seen. And she was really Mm -hmm. surprised by that. So she wrote an article for the Huffington Post that went somewhat viral and she was describing her experience of being the only one in the room. And so she got tons of emails from that article from other people who felt like they were the only one in the room, not because they were people of color, but because they were, for instance, in a wheelchair or they couldn't hear or they had done something terrible or gotten sober. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a really exciting genesis for a show because when I hear that sentence or that phrase, the only one in the room, I can certainly identify with having that feeling myself. And it seems Oh, really? Yeah, it seems like a universal feeling, I think. Um, and yeah. at some point in our lives, right, whether we're the new person or, or you know, it's our first time doing something or we're in a new place, you can certainly, uh, well, I can certainly feel like the only one in the room. And so the show's mission is to make people feel less alone by sharing stories of people who think they're the only one. And then it turns out they're really not. And so through the support of other people that have gone through it, it's really a cool experience for the guests when they share their story. So each, each episode profiles a a different person's only one story. And we just started season two and, um, it's it's going really nicely. Let right. me uh, cut in with a fun fact for you. I in Los Angeles, I um, I took a class on podcast writing, and Laura was actually in my class, so I got to hear the the story of the only one in the room right from the beginning. So that was really special to see it go all the way through. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking about uh, lipstick and vinyl role in this show, which part of the work is in the show is done by you? I mean, how deep you're involved in the storyline? We're, we're very much uh, involved in this show and that's why we're so proud of it. So we have an executive producer who produces the show and we did everything from the logo artwork to setting up the show's website The producer works very closely with the host, Laura, and with uh, Scott, her co-host, to book the guests. But also what's really important is coming up with the arc of the story. So it's an interview podcast, but there still needs to be a story. Like we want to be taken somewhere as a listener, and we want to know that the host is going to take us there. And we can trust them to do that. So coming up at first with a brand new show, the format for the story you want to tell and what points you want to hit with each interview is very, very important in the beginning. And we were involved in all of that. I really like when there is a full length interview with Laura and then after show by Scott, who created this. Cool. Well, that happened. That wasn't intended. So after the after the main podcast, Laura's longtime boyfriend, Scott, his name's Scott Slaughter. Cool name, I think. Right. And <laughs> so he he's a very, very kind man. And he wanted to do he wanted to you know show up a little bit more and he would have these really insightful questions. So we decided to break it out into its own little segment that's a little bit less I don't want to say rehearsed, but less structured and a little bit more fun and easy as an extra to each episode. Yeah, I, I really like this casual conversation with Scott. Oh, thank you. That's great. You're saying that your mission is to amplify the voices of underrepresented. Can you yourself relate to it? I mean, the idea that your voice is not heard. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I started the company, to put it in a little bit of context. There are over half of the people in the United States are women. 51% of us uh, are women. But at any given time over the past 30 years, not more than one third of the top positions at top news organizations across the country were held by women. So we're really underrepresented and It's really fascinating when you think about how that trickles down, because if all of the people deciding what is news, how to tell the story, what the story is, we get a very skewed perspective and we don't hear enough from people like us and other people that feel like the only one in the room. So mm-hmm. that to me is a really startling. And in my own career, I have had a long history of working for other people. This is my first entrepreneurial venture. And I just always happen to work for men. And I love men, believe me. And <laughs> but I I had trouble I had trouble feeling heard. And I was told often to stay in my lane. I was always a, an advertising salesperson. And it was Allison, stay in your lane. You you're just supposed to sell. You don't have any say over what the content that you're going to sell is going to be. Mm-hmm. So it would be men picking out the new shows or starting new shows. And they were generally hosted by other men. So I finally got sick of that enough to venture out on my own and have a foot in sales and have a foot in content because as a salesperson for years and years, I was supporting the content and the amplification of voices that 
were selected by the company I worked for. And now I get to have a say in who I am helping to, you know, earn money for their podcast or promote their podcast. And I get to do it through the filter of people who are underrepresented. So that's, that's why I started the, the business in the first place, because right. I didn't think that we were being loud enough. And podcasting is such an exciting space because the statistic I like to refer to is that still just 26% of people listen to podcasts each week. And coming from an ad sales perspective, weekly listeners are important. And so there's this huge, wide, open space of the other Americans not yet listening and the other people around the world not yet listening to podcasts that we still have lots of room to be the first to make podcasting the most diverse medium, to make it the most representative medium uh, of any of the other media that are in our society. So it would be really beautiful to have the news media, the entertainment media to better reflect who actually lives here versus just uh, a couple of perspectives. Right. So we will talk about business and about setting up your own company a little bit later, later on in the show. Let's uh, talk more about podcasting your network. You already mentioned you started uh, to your first client was Gaslit Nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, you got a few podcasts from Day Magazine, which is Gaslit Nation, Sip on Best and All Things Internet. How does uh, the collaboration with Day Magazine start? How, how does it work and how did it start? Day Magazine actually was the launch partner that was Lipstick and Vinyl's partner in the beginning of Gaslit Nation. They actually don't work with Gaslit Nation anymore, but Mm. the relationship was very straightforward. It was, we are going to make this show and you are going to sell the ads and we'll split the revenue. And so that's a, that's the agreement with, with Dame. They have uh, since they've, they've since quit releasing podcasts, uh, unfortunately, but we still are working with Gaslit Nation in the family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the uh, All Things Internet is a really popular podcast that is hosted by a YouTuber who is now in her late 20s and her mom. And they have a big family that they and they talk about all things Internet, whether it's news or the recent VidCon event in uh, California. And they talk about family things. And so that's something that's become really appealing to advertisers as well. And advertisers just love how Rachel, the host of the show, reads her ads and does them in her own voice, makes them her own, makes them a conversation. And so both the listeners get a good experience from listening to those really custom ads that sound like they're part of the show because they are. And advertisers definitely get a better response. I'm curious, uh, do you have any idea who is the target audience of All Things Internet? We believe that it's uh, both parents and kids. Based on their reviews on Apple Podcasts, for instance, they have so many reviews from young people who followed Rachel over from her YouTube channel that get to interact with her in a new way. And then just as many parents of kids who were fans of Rachel. Uh, and it's really cool to have her mom's perspective in there. There's just such a nice oh, yes. family. They're really relatable. 
Yeah, her mom is really funny. Yes, yeah, she's great. She has a she has a couple of internet famous children. Her other uh, daughter is called Colleen Sings or Miranda Sings. I'm sorry, her name's Colleen, but she's a pretty big YouTube sensation herself. Mm-hmm. So it's a interesting family. Yeah, I like them making jokes on the family members. It's really <laughs> cute. Yeah, it's like good natured. Okay, you also got a few Canadian podcasts. Uh, it's Muses and uh, the Secret of the Secret Life of Weddings. How, yes. how did it happen? Why Canadian podcasts? Well, it wasn't it wasn't intentional necessarily. It was just a matter of finding these shows out in the world that really seemed like they fit in with our our mission and our voice and and reaching out to them. So the Muses is such a good show. These two women that are in Canada, they each episode profile a rock and roll muse or somebody that had a, an effect on, on modern rock and roll. So recent profiles have been Dolly Parton, Bridget Bardot. They review films uh, like the John and Yoko Ono film that was recently released. And they just do a deep dive and research these people and um, share how they took part in some of the most famous songs that we all know today. Mm-hmm. And then the secret um, life of weddings, they're just hilarious. They, they used to be wedding photographers, but now they have a podcast where they tell horrendous wedding stories that they've either experienced or that their listeners uh, write in about, and they're just really funny how they break them down and and, uh, laugh about them. Right. To everyone who's listening to us, if you have your favorite show among Lipstick and Vinyl Network, let us know. We'd be curious to chat more about the show in details. My favorite one, for example, I can tell you, uh, the one that I uh, was really touched by is The Life on the Outside by Lucy Cobb. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, th- this is uh, really unique, and I uh, haven't heard anything like that before. So this one is about people who are returning to society after being in prison, and the show is about ex-lifers, about people who don't really have a chance to talk to the wide audience, and uh, we actually have really uh, opportunity to listen to them. So. Yeah, the content is unique, the topic is unique, and besides that, the show is nicely produced with uh, decent sound. Oh, we have another listener. So sorry. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. What's your dog's name? So, life on the... (laughs) Supporter. It's our supporter. Yeah. She was, okay, so uh, uh-huh. life on the outside is made by this young woman, Lucy Cope, and she goes to prisons and talks to prisoners who are being released from, as Valentina said, life sentences. And these people have been in prison for like 30 years and they get out and they are essentially starting from nothing. And so there are some really cool insights that come from that show. For instance, they really, one, one prisoner in particular was really fond of Lyft, the ride sharing service. And the reason he was is because he can't get any other job in any other place because he's a felon, but he mm. can drive a Lyft and, and he was, it made him feel so good that wow. people 
strangers would trust him and he could just live amongst society and be a worker among workers. And so really appreciates Lyft for that reason. And um, it's given him just a lot of self-esteem and a lot of life. Mm, Yeah. So how did you guys start to collaborate with them? Yeah, we met actually uh, at at Ariel's former place of work, uh, the podcast studio, uh, for a podcast event. It was actually ever one of Ever's events, the Outlier Podcast Festival. Amazing. Yeah, and so we met Lucy uh, and just thought her show was really amazing and, and that she was doing amazing work. It's a heavy lift that she does, I think, with one other person, and it's a labor of love. And so we thought, well, we'd really like to support her and see if we can't make her some advertising money and help her gain a bigger audience for the show. Are they getting much ads? Well, they've just been monthly so far. So that's a little bit difficult. As they mm-hmm. start producing more frequent episodes, then it will be time to monetize. But I know she did um, run a successful Kickstarter. She raised, I think, $6,000, and that that's going to help her with her next season. Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. That's that's another thing, too, about the shows that we work with. Just because you work with an ad network, it doesn't mean that you can't find uh, monetization in other places like Patreon. The Gaslit Nation ladies have a really, really popular uh, Patreon uh, account with lots and lots of contributors. Um, like Ariel said, Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> so there are, there are lots of ways, and, and one doesn't necessarily preclude the other. Right. So once again, the name of this podcast, The Life on the Outside by Lucy Cobb. And I so think I should probably go to Lyft for a sponsorship, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Right. They've got so, some love. Uh-huh. So you're working with uh, female podcasters. You're working with podcasters of color. Uh, which group for you would like to add to your network? Um more female podcasters of color. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we there are there are many facets of uh, conversation that have yet to be discussed and that we've yet to touch upon with the shows that we partner with. So I think there are lots of ways for us to expand on what we've been doing already. Uh, let's talk about ads and monetization a little bit more. So you're helping your podcast to monetize. So and your main offer is host red ads embedded in the content. Uh, how do you match the advertisers, advertisers to the relevant podcast? Sure. It's part art and part science between advertisers and podcasts because the rating system is still not universal for podcasts. So each network kind of has their own way of describing who the podcast audience is. And so some of it comes from numbers like surveys that podcasts do of their listeners. So they self-report who they are, how Mm -hmm. old they are and where they live sort of a thing. And then the other comes in the form of numbers like downloads. Certain advertisers only want to support shows that have, you know, a hundred thousand downloads or more, for instance. So uh, the, the art part is hearing from the advertiser, what they're trying to accomplish, who they're trying to reach For example, and this one's like a really slam dunk, but we represent a show called Feeling My Flow, and it Mm -hmm. just launched this week, and it's all about periods, menstruation. And it's it's bold, and it is funny and educational, and definitely stuff that's not talked about, but there's an advertiser that 
is called Lola and they make all natural organic tampons that are sent to your house. So that one is really a super easy slam dunk. We know that the audience yeah. is, you know, ready, ready for that ad and, and it's going to make sense. It's not going to stick out like a sore thumb. So then it's just hearing what the advertiser is trying to accomplish, what the product is, and then matching that with the hosts of the shows and what their likes and dislikes are and what fits and what seems like it would be a additive to a listener versus an ad that they would want to skip. So we try to do right by, by everybody, by the advertiser, the show, the listener, and that's what really makes the best podcast right. ads. That's why people respond to podcast ads because of that thoughtfulness. Right. To be honest, uh, if the podcast is about uh, menstruation, it's uh, a little bit easier, you know, to find advertiser for this kind of content. Um, well, none of it's easy, Valentina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if comparing to the life on the outside, for example. Right. Where we're going to go find Lyft as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, some, some of the other advertisers are actually the advertisers. A lot of them are very, very female products for the most part. One of our bigger advertisers is ZipRecruiter. So that's somewhat universal. Right. And another big advertiser is Third Love Bras. And so every woman, for the most part, wears a bra and Third Love has really great ones. And so those ads typically do really well for, for Third Love when they are in our shows. Because every time the, the hosts are going to uh, do an ad for a sponsor, they try out the product. And so the sponsor will send them whatever it is. If it's a clothing uh, buying service, they send them you know an outfit. If it's Third Love, they get a bra. If it's a meal delivery service, they get a sun basket. So they're able to talk from their first person experience, which makes it really authentic. And again, why why the ads and podcasts works so well for uh, advertisers? Because mm -hmm. most of the business is still supported. Most of the podcast business it gets its revenue from advertising at this point. There are other other ways that are developing, like podcasts being optioned into TV shows and, and films and nationwide tours, things like that. But by and large, advertising is the model for the podcast business. Mm -hmm. And in one of your interviews, you were saying that for your network, if you have 5,000 lessons per episode, that can work, but it's really not a huge number. Do you have any economy of scale? Right. So the bigger that that's the very lowest point. Um, but the bigger the podcast audience, the bigger the revenue opportunity and the bigger the, the influence of the show, right? So hosts that have popular shows are going to earn the most money because what advertisers pay for is audience. And the more trusting your audience is of you and the more they are willing to follow you through your podcast, through your social channels, And they really feel like they know you. And so an ad is like a, a recommendation from a friend. So, yeah, the, there's a big range in podcast audience sizes. The average podcast audience, um, I think amongst the 750,000 podcasts that we know of that exist is 140-something, 120 or 140-something. So whereas the biggest shows, the New York Times, the Daily, or Pod Save America, who have over a million listens an episode, that's just an entirely different 
sphere. It's a it's a much bigger business there. But if you bring one advertiser to one of your podcasts, does it go to another podcast? One thing that's not changed since I've been selling podcast advertising is that advertisers prefer to pick and select each individual podcast every time they make a buy. So there are very few network buys that I've seen where someone comes in and they just want to buy all of the shows on the network. Podcasts are still not a mass media. So there's not scale enough, in my opinion, to mm-hmm. have a network buy make sense when you're giving up that personalization of the host read ad. Because if you do a big network buy, probably the ad is going to not be read by the host because uh, that would just not make any sense for a network. And so you're kind of getting rid of the major value proposition of podcast ads, which is that personalization. Yeah, true. Very true. Another way to monetize is live events. So you helped Rebel Radio to organize on stage live recording at the Eighth Hotel. Yes, that was a really cool event. Rebel Radio is our lone male host of a show and it's all about creative entrepreneurs. So from DJs to artists to technology folks who are doing really innovative things and kind of the underground until it bubbles up to the mainstream. And so they were interviewing a woman called Anna Kasparian, and she's one of the hosts, or she's the host of the most popular YouTube news channel, The Young Turks. And he was interviewing her about her journey to to where she's at now and having such a, a big audience to her show and and what her mission is. And yeah, we, we sold tickets and we sold t-shirts and, uh, you know, invited listeners to come. And it was at a hotel, a historic hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And it was really fun. It was a really good experience. And the show recording went really well. It was a podcast recording. So an interview on mm-hmm. a stage in front of in front of an audience. Yeah, and I think they also did live streaming at the same time. That's right, they did. That's right, they did. So do you think it's viable uh, as a business with the tickets that cost 20 bucks and with the selling merchandise? I mean, do you, do you think live events is something that's going to be developing in the future? I think for podcasts that have big audiences, again, we are with the big audience caveat but yeah and a lot of a lot of podcast hosting services will tell a podcaster where geographically their listeners are located so that can really inform where a podcast goes on tour and so yeah if if um, they have enough listeners in a market and there's enough demand for it uh, podcast it's funny podcast live show tickets there was recently um, a, a graph revealed that came from one of the ticketing companies in the marketplace. I don't remember who, but it was, it showed the top grossing or the top ticket prices for different podcast live shows. And they were uh, over a hundred dollars for some of them. Wow. Yeah. So they, um, they can be really popular and a really viable business when, when that's the case. I think the reason it works so well is because so many of these um, live shows are essentially just conversations between two people or more. And that's a that's a medium that we we're used to. We, we've been paying for 
to see a chat between this person and this person, this famous person and this person who maybe just had a book come out for a long time. So I think it's, it's rather um, easy to swallow for people who are understanding what podcasts are nowadays. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy. I've been to several podcast live shows where it is people in the audience are screaming like they're at a rock concert. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really people are rock stars. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They're so intimately part of your life. They're inside your ears sometimes. And so, you know, you're usually paying attention to just that voice and you spend a lot of time listening to a podcast for whether it's a half hour or an hour is a big commitment and is a you know big chunk of your time that you're being willing to give someone um, to talk to you. So that means you probably are pretty interested and you probably trust them. Okay, changing the topic a little bit, I would like to talk about content creation. When I was preparing for this interview, I went through the social media and uh, your website, and I, I became really curious why you are not creating content yourself. Well, I've, of course, everybody thinks about starting a podcast if you're in this business, um, maybe even if you're not in this business. And I have learned that my superpower is in supporting other creative people and doing the business side of the equation to let a creative person create more. And I, I think it's just a matter of how much can you invest in the creation because I've listened to so many podcasts for so long, I would want a really beautiful sounding podcast. And, and that just costs money and time that is not around for me as an entrepreneur these days. Someday. Okay. But are you interested in that? Does it bring you joy and satisfaction? It does. If I have a good collaborator, for sure. I think that I I feel like the storytelling is the most important part. And there are so many other people that can tell a great story better than I can. And so I'd prefer to help them make a story versus uh, coming up with it on my own. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, we want to, with partners, create original content for sure. And that's actually what we are raising our next round of investment to support is a slate of original content. All right. Okay. So you're you're still uh, trying to raise money. Can you can you speak a little bit more about your fundraising? Sure. So I learned really quickly when I first started the business that nobody is going to give you money to make something until you've made something. That's why the advertising network part of the business has grown first. That's what I know how to do, and that is you know less intense of work um, because we're not doing the producing and the creating. So the goal has always been to raise money to tell our own original stories. And so the first uh, seed round that we raised uh, has helped support the business, keep it going and pay for mm-hmm. a producer. And, and How much you know, did you raise? I can't tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I can okay. tell you that, but um, we're definitely on the hunt and in the market now. So if you if you have a checkbook, if you're interested, <laughs> then she can tell you. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we, yeah, we can talk and we've got a great lineup of shows that we're ready to make with some really amazing people. We just need the funding to do so. That's what's in front of us right now. Right. So when you started Lipstick and Vinyl in uh, 2018, you were on your own pretty much. And now you have already three, four people in the team, right? Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of incredible and it's, we're still a small team and, um, we 
we do a lot for for the size that we are. We don't have an office uh, together at this point, so we all work remotely. Sometimes we work together, but mm-hmm. it is um, definitely a really cool feeling to have a couple of uh, other people that believe in what you're doing in so much as they will work for it every day too. Mm-hmm. How did you start working with Christina Barsi? We met just by an introduction from a talent manager that knew her and knew me and said, you two should meet because she is the storytelling and producer part of the equation and I'm the business part. So we started working together in that way. Right now she is working with, oh, I don't know if I can say, well, I'll just say it's Lululemon, excuse me, teaching them how to host a podcast because uh-huh. they're starting their first original podcast in-house. That's podcast. awesome. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. So we, um, we do other things, uh, in the producing realm like that, that are really fun. Another Canadian brand. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Let us know about. when it's on. Let us know. We're I really look for it. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will uh, let you know. Do you feel it is difficult to grow the company like that? I mean, the podcast network. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's it's all about having the funding and the resources to, you know, so that you have the runway enough to make some things, make some mistakes, grow a bit, have some organic growth. But it really takes a solid amount of money in the bank to even do that. And so the fact that we are still up and running is I'm very proud of. And um, so just looking forward, like I said, to raising the next round now that we've made something, um, thinking optimistically that that will, will go well. Right. I'm not asking about your fees that you charge your clients, but uh, just to have an idea, do you charge them a percentage from the ad sales or is it fixed agency fee? Yeah, it's a percentage. And mm-hmm. um Some podcast networks will do a 50-50 split with between the talent and the uh, ad network. Uh, our split is more friendly to the podcaster. Generally, our splits are 70 to the podcaster and 30 to the company. So we really look to take care of the creators. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ariel, go ahead. If, if you would like to that's talk all. about it. Just, just yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Looks fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we are going to wrap up in a few minutes, but before we wrap up, I just uh, want you, Alison, to uh, talk about your plan for, let's say, five years in terms of business growth and in terms of how, how are you going to develop lipstick and vinyl? Oh, goodness. Well, I, I don't know that I have a five-year plan. I have a one-year plan. It's okay. a one-year plan. Kind of dealing with Yeah, we're dealing with, it's just the industry moves at such a rapid pace and it feels like, you know, running along with a big herd of animals and you just want to keep up. And so things change every day. And, but what I see is, and this could extend to five years, but what I see is us making an impact on having more, more diverse voices in the media that find an audience that find people who are desperate to listen to them because people like people that sound like them. And so that would mean that we've got a bunch of original shows that we've been able to put into the world that find really rabid audiences 
and we are able to support other creators through the advertising sales network. And then at that point, we could possibly be acquired by another media company that was looking to reach the the audience that we've developed through our programming. Mm -hmm. And how many podcasts in your network you would like to have? Well, I'm really focused on the creation of new shows. So we've got seven shows on our slate and focusing on getting those made while servicing the current shows that we have. But I think that 20 at the end of this year would be great and 40 at the end of the following year and so forth. So measured growth. And do you go to the market and search for them proactively? Yes, we do. Uh, it goes, it ebbs and flows, but absolutely that's something that is vital. And because of the rapid pace that the industry, the business industry is developing, it gets harder and harder to find those, you know, diamonds in the rough, right. but they're out there. Right. Ariel, what do you think are the main challenges for this kind of business for the podcast network and for lipstick and vinyl in particular? I think the main challenges are competition and major segmentation of the industry. There's uh, so many people creating so many different shows. And because it's not as regulated as the TV network system or the movie system, we kind of have to forge our own path. And um, when we do that, sometimes not everybody's following the same path. So um, I think ultimately... I think a little bit there needs to be some way to consolidate the ways that content is created and then distributed and then monetized. But then also that's kind of the beauty of the podcast industry is that there is no written rules and we get to do it as we as we go. What do you think about that, Allison? Yeah, I think that that is right on. I think competition is definitely makes things challenging, but it also is really validating. Like we are on the right track and I still feel that our mission sets us apart in a much smaller group of companies that are, you know, forging ahead um, with female, female voices. So I feel like that as a defining characteristic of what we do and who we are, is, there's still definitely lots of room for that. I think there's still room for, I don't want to say for everybody, not all 750,000, I don't think, but, uh, no. <laughs> but <laughs> for the, for the universal everybody, I think there's still plenty of room. And I feel it's uh, great in terms of, uh, especially in terms of positioning, when you're saying that uh, you help to amplify the voices of underrepresented. But do you see much competition in this in this segment? In just the year that uh, we've been in business, there have been a couple of other female-led oh, podcast yeah. networks that have developed. And again, that's just really more validation. We are friendly with those networks. We support them and their shows. And together, you know, a rising tide lifts all the podcasts. So, <laughs> yeah, we definitely support our, our sisters in the, in the business. And mm -hmm. it kind of uh, lights a fire under your ass, right, to do it better. Oh, there's always a fire lit there. <laughs> <laughs> the life of a, of a CEO. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sounds really great. And uh, that's a wrap for the show this week. You were listening to the Pod Bites. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and here also was Ariel Nissenblatt. We were hey. joined by Hey Ariel. <laughs> We were joined by Alison Marina, who is the founder of Podcast Network Lipstick and Vinyl. Alison, thank you so much. Thank you. It was really thank nice you, to be Allison. here. Thank you both. Yeah, and good luck with all your endeavors. Thank you so much. Great. Uh, thanks. 
to everyone, thank you guys for listening and asking questions. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. You can click on the show picture. There is a follow button. Please make sure you click so you will receive push notification where we go live next time. And also you can see the upcoming live shows on the livecast page of CastBox. Use the app, call in, ask questions, and interact with your favorite hosts. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.